soldiers who did not want to get a COVID vaccine were discharged from the Army during the pandemic. Now those soldiers who were let go are receiving letters from the military on how they can rejoin the service now that the vaccine requirement has been rescinded. The letters sent to discharged military members tell them the steps they can take to correct their military records to recharacterize why they were separated from service and how to contact a recruiter if they'd like to rejoin. This letter being sent out to troops who got the boot over the COVID vax isn't being covered by most mainstream media outlets. 94% of the news outlets that are covering it are right-leaning news organizations. Left-leaning media are largely leaving it out of the news cycle. It's unclear if the letter is going to persuade the soldiers to rejoin. Since the COVID vax requirement was rescinded, about 50 service members have rejoined out of about 8,000 that were discharged over that vaccine requirement. This comes as the military continues to struggle with a major recruitment crisis. The Army missed its recruitment goal by about 15,000 soldiers last year and another 10,000 this year. America's military is severely damaged by a lack of moral courage, folks. Welcome to Whistleblower Wednesday here on the Rob Manis Show at the Red Voice Media Network, where we bring you the facts and the truth, whether you like it or not. Well, with those letters hitting former service members who were kicked out of the military inboxes, they're sounding off about them, and it's not good. U.S. military is in big trouble because American military leadership has lost all of its moral courage and betrayed its oath to support and defend the Constitution in these poor policy decisions. While we're on this path, we face big national security challenges, and much of them are our own doing. We're hearing rumors of a long sought after U.S.-led peacekeeping force in Gaza, and the confusion caused by U.S. soldiers holding communist Chinese flags welcoming President Xi to San Francisco is just to name a couple. Trust in our military leadership is at an all-time low, a fact that only surprises those with political blinders on, it seems. Well, retired U.S. Army veteran Sam Shoemate, who has made it his business to do investigative journalism and help blow the whistle on military leadership shenanigans, joins me today. Sam, welcome to The Rob Manish Show, sir. Appreciate you. Thank you for having me on. Well, hey, man. Uh, I first came across you. Uh, matter of fact, I just I just found out your name uh, uh, not too long ago. Uh, but right. I think the the Twitter account was Terminal CWO, uh, I believe, uh, uh, is uh, where you were working out of uh, when you were you were uh, anonymous and those kind of things. So tell the folks the story about that before we get into what you're hearing about these letters. Here. So just to make it clear up front, we deleted that 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 account the, yeah. the timing was poor because i was docked at the same exact time i didn't even realize it but there was there was a couple other admins that i worked with and we got into some bad behavior of, of fighting people and that's not what we were about we were fighting the left it was getting very in confrontational and just out of control and we decided collectively hey we need to just knock this off but we were still very active on instagram um and active somewhat on telegram and we, we have a few other platforms as well but i i I do my own thing on Twitter now for my own page, and then we still collectively do stuff from Terminal CWO on uh, Instagram. Okay, with that said, so this is what we are. I I started the page uh, years ago back in the back in the shutdown of the COVID timeframe, and it was it was 
it was not meant to be anything more than a meme page. It was just for military humor, uh, a way to kind of dump my brain, but it quickly turned into more than that as, as we were kind of making fun of some of the stuff that was going on with the lockdowns at the time. I was getting messages from the force as they were, we were a small page at first, but they were hitting our inbox telling just me at the time, and we, we grew to more people after that, but telling me at the time that uh, their their leadership was doing X, Y, and Z, and they were mandating one thing, but policy letters were going out that were saying another thing, and then they were, I mean, just wild stories that I could go into that your show doesn't have time for, but some really lousy behavior from senior leaders. When I say senior leaders, I'm talking about 06, 07, 08, and we had direct uh, proof of what was happening where, you know, the most egregious one, I'll tell you, and this is a generalization, but this was really happening. Service members were being denied health care because at the time you had a policy of uh, if you if you tested positive for COVID, you were, you had to stay home. That was the military policy that went out to all the branches. You had to stay home. And what happened was the military was losing their force, so they can no longer train. And you know as well as I do that you have to have a certain amount of personnel to, to train to meet those benchmarks when you go out and you do training sets and stuff like that. And so they didn't have enough personnel, so it became a thing where commanders were saying, you will not go to sick call, you will not go to the hospital unless, excuse me, unless it is uh, approved by myself. And so you had a lot of guys that were you know, spiking fevers. They were, uh, I mean, sick to death because they had COVID. But they yep. were not allowed to get health care for it. They were being denied by their chains of command. And this this started to run rampant across the force just because our policies were so out of whack with what was really happening on the ground. But then you had spokespeople who were saying otherwise and, and publicly denying that that was taking place. And that's really where we got started in, in blowing the whistle on what was happening behind the veil, in the shadows of, of public policy. DOD policy, and that's that's a term I coined that you know shadow policy. That yeah, basically you have you have spokespeople saying one thing, but we're doing another on the inside. So just so just so I understand, Sam, uh, folks were getting sick. They were really getting sick, uh, even though the military is like the youngest cohort, really, uh, of and uh, the best shape. So those comorbidities, most of them they don't have, uh, and everything. But they weren't able to go to the dock, right? And we had we had direct proof. I mean, the the story we really focused on was what was going on at the hundred first. It actually got picked up by one of the reporters out of Yahoo News, who, who covered it. But what had happened was uh, they were they were doing this on a mass scale, and then they were taking these same soldiers out to the field, and they were quarantining off the area. They were using engineer tape to quarantine it off so that they could be within be within compliance of this quarantined area. So they were they were putting these soldiers that in the middle of July, that so we're talking about July heat, Fort Campbell, you know, Kentucky, and they're being told they can't go to thick call because they need them to train, but they have 104 degree temperatures. And the spouses were sounding off on this this issue on Facebook and in other mediums. And then you had the the, the official spokesperson, a lieutenant colonel for uh, the 101st who was denying it and making fun of them on social media, saying that's not what we use engineer tape for. But I mean, the things at the time that he was saying were so blatantly ridiculous to me that I said, there's no way I'm going to allow this to go unanswered. And so we started attacking back on that. Like I said, that one did get picked up by the news. And, and that was really our first venture into the, the mainstream, the national sphere, 
when it came to blowing the whistle on this type of behavior. And from then on, it just kind of took off from uh, a lot of our focus has been on the COVID mandates, but it's also been on corruption and, and just uh, unlawful behavior in general as it, as it rears its head within the DOD. And yeah. the, the bottom line is you have an issue right now, this national security issue, where we are saying one thing publicly, you know, Kirby or anybody else will get up there and they'll say something to the public and say, no, 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 this is, this is what it really is. This is what we have in place. This is how we do things in the military. And the American public buys that because they're an official spokesperson, but the service member on the ground knows a different story. They know what's happening behind the veil and they can't get the recourse and the justice that they that they are seeking because the system is broken. These systems like IG and JAG and all these other outlets that are there to protect the chain of command. They're not there to protect the service member. They're there to protect the chain of command and ultimately protect what they're doing under this Biden administration which has gotten reckless over the last several years. That's definitely reckless. There's no doubt about it. I mean, just listen to the headline of the show today, you know. Uh, right. The, uh, so uh, the reason I wanted to get you on the show, what triggered my request to you were these letters coming out, because you, your account on Twitter, your, your, your actual account that we're showing on the screen here during the show, uh, is where I first saw this letter, and you kind of broke the news uh, about it. What what are some of the things you're hearing from folks who are getting the letters? Well, I mean, it's it's the same thing I've been hearing for months. This policy isn't new. Uh, the Army sent out this letter, but it's been a policy that's been in place since uh, last spring, where they've been telling folks, "Hey, you you can you can upgrade your your discharge paperwork to get your DDT DD two fourteen scrub, get it upgraded, uh, get a better discharge than what you got." But uh, and then on, on that end, come back in, re-enlist. We want you, but we're not going to give you any special favors. You need to go to your, your local recruiting office and come back in. And what people are saying are, is no. But it's why they're saying no. And this is what America needs to understand about what happened. When, when this policy came into place and they tried to force service members illegally to take an EUA vaccine, they didn't just say, do this thing. The service member said, no, I'm not going to. And then they said, okay, we're going to we're gonna put some paperwork together and get you out of here. No, the amount of coercion and damage they did to these service members was at a level that I, I have never seen in this country. They were, you had guys that were PCSing and the, the gaining duty station, so that's where they're going, were telling them, no, you can't come to us because you're not vaccinated. But they couldn't go back to their old duty station, so they were stuck in limbo for months and months. You had service members that were stuck overseas uh, spouses giving birth, but they could not leave like South Korea and Germany. They couldn't come back to the States and they were denied. And they were, they were, uh, I mean, I could go on and on and on about the egregious behavior that took place with in, in a realm that America did not see. But the bottom line is these people are, were betrayed and the loyalty that you expect in the armed services, because we, we pride ourselves on loyalty above all else. You know this. No man left behind, right? No man left behind. We, we, it is a, is a token part of our mantra that we do not leave a service member behind. Yet, willfully and diligently, our, our, our leadership attacked and destroyed the lives and the welfare of the service members that they were, they were charged to lead and take care of. And... And so the, the, the DOD coming back now and saying, here, 
we'll upgrade your discharge and you can come back into service. You, you want it? Because we're struggling now and we kicked you out. Yeah, we're not going to actually apologize for it. We won't say sorry, but come on back anyways. And here's a letter. And they're saying, no, no, I'm out. I, I'll never let, you know, it's like leaving an abusive relationship. I'm not going to let you beat me anymore. I'm out. I, I already made my exit. I'm gone. Thanks. Yeah, it's uh, it's really interesting because, uh, yes, we, we've been talking about the recruiting uh, goals not being met for over a year now, uh, but they're just now trying to send these letters out to people? Uh, or have they been sending the letter all along? It's just that now it's they've sent enough of them, it's made the news. The letter is brand new. And I, I believe the Army is the only one to, to have sent one. I haven't seen one from any other branch. The policy is not new, but the letter is brand new. And see, this is important to talk about because we talk about that shadow policy thing. Well, when they discharged people, they were not allowed to give them anything other than a general under honorable discharge. That was a congressional bill that came out in uh, December of 2021. They were, the DOD was prohibited from giving uh, uh, any sort of negative discharge but what they did is they loopholed it and they gave them an RE4, which an RE4 forbids you in any way. It's not even waverable from coming back into the service. So that's what they did to these, these service members. They gave them, a, a, you know, in some cases, and I, I posted an example of this on my Twitter page, but they gave them a, an honorable discharge, but then gave them serious misconduct for the reason of their discharge in an RE4. So these guys got slapped with these heinous-looking DD-214s that said, basically, you're a criminal. That's RE4 is what we put on somebody that gets a dishonorable discharge. Dishonorable, like commits a felony. That's what an RE4 goes on. But they put it on an honorable discharge DD-214, and now they're trying to walk it back. And that just doesn't register people. It's complete disconnect. Yeah, and unfortunately, civilians, the people that have never served, uh, don't understand this. The code you're talking about, the RE4, uh, 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 there are several different types of codes that will prevent you, even with an honorable discharge, like you said, just said, from re-enlisting or re-entering the service, even though you might have a discharge paper that says honorable on it. Uh, and then they put these notes on the 214, uh, that's incredible to hear, man. Well, I got to do an ad read real quick, uh, but when we come back, we'll we'll hear from uh, Senator Schmidt, Eric Schmidt, uh, about this issue. But even he's not going far enough, really. Well, listen up, folks. Bidenomics is not working. The U.S. dollar is losing value, and your hard-earned savings are at risk. You can act now before it's too late with one straightforward entirely legal tax loophole. Contact my friends at American Alternative Assets for a free wealth protection guide. Learn how to safeguard your wealth from a failing dollar in volatile markets with gold and silver IRAs. Dial 833-2-USA-GOLD. That's 833-287-2465 or visit protectfrombiden.com. Well, welcome back to the Rob Mana Show. We're talking uh, with uh, Army veteran Sam Shoemate. Also, uh, you know, more importantly, a veterans advocate uh, that took up this mantle during all this craziness about policy and saying one thing in public and doing another thing behind the scenes to our service members that ended up, most of them getting the boot, and now these letters have come out because the Army and the rest of the military services really can't meet their recruiting objectives. I should take that back. I think the Marine Corps is close to it or, or about to meet theirs for this year. But uh, but still, uh, 
we have problems with our numbers, so we're going to ask you to come back, but we're not going to give you any of the tools (laughs) that we should give you to do it. You've got bad paper. You're stuck with it unless you can get the Board of Military Corrections to correct it and then go to a regular recruiter and come on back in because we need you. That just blows me away. Well, let's see what Eric Schmidt, the senator from Missouri and former AG over there, uh, says about it. Go ahead and run clip two, Disco. Well, on an individual level, these are men and women who volunteered to serve our country. Uh, They built careers. Uh, These are our heroes. And they were just, you know, dismissed and disrespected uh, with this COVID tyranny that swept the political class in Washington. So they were gone, about 8,000 of them, Brian. And so as we face these readiness challenges with, you know, an adversary like China, we have recruiting problems. The idea that we just simply dismissed 8,000 people, haven't done anything to bring them back. And when we bring them back, by the way, if they want to come back, they need to be fully restored with back pay, full rank, and an apology from Secretary Austin. In a committee earlier this year, Brian, I pressed Secretary Austin on this. They had no plan to go after these folks and try and recruit them back. So we want to make sure there's forward momentum and that these individuals are treated with the respect they deserve. This might be... Well, that's uh, Eric Schmidt, the senator from Missouri, who used to be the attorney general uh, of the state there, too. Uh, I mean, but I've seen some tweets... Uh, firing back at him, that's not enough. Uh, even yeah. an apology is not enough. It, it, and it's not. I, I'll tell you, this is this is where service members are at, and I, I really do feel like I have a very accurate voice from within the community that has pushed back on this the greatest. It is it is not simply a matter of of washing your hands of this and saying we'll take you back. Here's some back pay. Here's some rank. What people are demanding the most is accountability. Because until the leaders who did this in the first place, before those flag officers who neglected to do their duty, read the law, that is, I mean, a a law that is in black and white and is so clearly easily discernible until they are held to account for the damage they did to the armed forces, for the damage that is continuing to be done, because let's be clear about what is happening with this vaccine now. The rates of injury have skyrocketed, not just in the military, but across the civilian population as well. But but just on the face of the lawfulness of this thing, uh, you know, the Secretary of Defense's his memo stated very clearly that the mandate would only be fulfilled with an FDA-approved vaccine. That is a legal order. What was yeah. done underneath was not legal. It was when they took an EUA and said it could be used interchangeably with the FDA vaccine, and they said it will be used to suffice the, the, the COVID mandate, and every single service member out there, every single one was given an EUA vaccine. Without fail, bar none, every single one. That in and of itself needs full accountability from the very top. Everybody, to include the Secretary of Defense, needs to answer for how they broke the law across 100% of the military spectrum. They need to be held account and they need to be kicked out. And a lot of people are calling for tribunals. They want them to answer in court for what they did because they were in command. It was their job to do due diligence and they didn't. That's what people want. Yeah, so when you say tribunal, you mean a court-martial setting? Yes, yes. Yeah, I've been calling for that for Millie for a long time over the Afghanistan debacle. Right. 
yeah. and some other things that he did uh, under the Trump administration, which clearly violated uh, his oath to the Constitution and, by, and violated regulations, instructions. I mean, you whatever policy that's written down, you want to do that. My question for you about Austin himself, though, when you read the letter, and this is something that I've talked to many people about, uh, including you, obviously, uh, uh, you know, his letter says you will only use an FDA-approved vaccine. Uh, right. Now, that's not an illegal order, right? Or is no, it? An it's not. No, nope, okay. it's not a legal order. He was he was within the the way that his memo was worded was legally and and it was lawful in every way. Here's the issue, though, and here's why he needs to be held accountable as well. Because he was not in the dark on the fact that we did not have, we did not have an FDA-approved vaccine. There was nothing produced. Pfizer was very clear that they were not going to produce one, and he knew this. So for him to say anything else and to allow his service chiefs, his service chiefs to run with the the direction and the guidance that they had to mandate the EUA vaccine was what absolutely falls on his back. And, and the bigger thing here is is the the memo that was issued by um, I, I just had a blank and I forgot her name. She was the under under secretary, the acting under secretary of defense for the Defense Health Agency at the time. But she she's the one who issued the memo that said you can and you will use the EUA and the FDA drug interchangeably, which is a complete violation of the law. The fact that that came out from the Department of Defense over the heads of the service chiefs. And the service chief's own legal apparatus approved that and said, yes, that is that is lawful and everything else, despite the fact that several federal judges came out after the fact and said, no, it's not. It was not issued in a federal ruling, but it was issued in statements that they gave in court in the process of other, other lawsuits that took place. The point is that Austin is just as culpable for the violations that took place as his general officers are. Yeah, anybody that's spent, uh, you know, decades in the U.S. military understands, especially in command or leadership positions of any kind, understands that Austin's letter may may have provided a fig leaf cover for him initially, uh, but when his own undersecretary uh, issues a blatantly illegal directive, uh, and then the, the chiefs of staff, uh, the, the rest of the Joint Chiefs, uh, abide by it and force all the way down to the NCO level to enforce that law, and it injures people, uh, not just physically, uh, but mentally, uh, uh, career-wise. I mean, there are an array of a number of injuries here from the legal, financial, uh, to physical, uh, that this administration, and not just the administration, but the leadership in the positions has to be held account to. Uh, and uh, I agree with you. I, you know, there's no way that this will ever become uh, corrected at all in the minds of the 8,000 plus people and their families that were booted out. But the problem is much bigger than that is what I'm seeing and hearing. And that is when you get into the, uh, the medical issues from the vaccine itself. You know, I've had Ted Macy on the show. I've had Jordan Carr on the show. Uh, now you, I've had I've had cadets from the Coast Guard Academy uh, on the show that were booted unceremoniously on a Friday afternoon uh, without 
money, without orders, without anything. Right. Uh, Just and, gone. Uh, Get off uh, our installation. And they were the ones that were right for not taking the vaccine. And there's two issues yeah. I, I want to talk to you about, about it, what you're hearing from folks. The real the real information is what are what are the medical issues uh, that these personnel that whether they're still on active duty or not or in the Guard or Reserve or not, what are you hearing from folks that took the vaccine? Uh, and, the, and I'm talking about really people under the age of 50 uh, with no comorbidities about the adverse effects. I think I know what you're going to say, uh, but yeah. I want people to hear it from somebody that's been tracking on this uh, deeply. Uh, and uh, and really, your, your dog in the hunt is that you're a military member too. Uh, that's what my dog in the hunt is. And uh, we've got to get this right for these young people. Yeah. Well, and you know exactly what I'm going to say, but at least hundreds, if not thousands of people, and that's not an exaggeration, have told me that they have heart issues either diagnosed or they have been struggling since they got the vaccine with chest pain. Either way, at least hundreds and hundreds have told me. Firsthand, firsthand testimonials, I've had doctors fill my inbox because our inbox turned into a, a sort of a pivot point in a, in a central location for the fight against the COVID mandate within the military. So this isn't just somebody who's running a whistleblower account who happens to get stuff. Our our prime theme was this, specifically fighting the military mandate as it stands. And so I have heard from countless people to include to include individuals who you're very familiar with. I'm not going to mention their name on here, but but very prominent doctors and whistleblowers in the community, in the DOD community, mm -hmm. and, and hearing the accounts of personnel who have been injured. Uh, the amount of myocarditis that has that they've been that has been diagnosed that has skyrocketed. The DoD even admits that we're at a 151% increase, which I believe is a, a low number. I believe that's a number that is based off of the the altering to the DMED database that they did, which was you know basically when that whistleblower account came out of the DMED information. For those who don't know, DMED is sort of the military's version of VAERS, but it's more accurate. When, when that stuff was leaked and it came out, they altered the, the base DMED data because it was so egregious, so high, that they took the whole thing down and they altered that base, that arbitrary base five-year layer that they used to scrub it against 2021. They had numbers that were off chart, but what we're seeing in the force now, what we're seeing across actual, actual installations is those numbers now are mirroring the pre-scrubbed DMED data. So th th that's a whole other issue right there. Who's going to be held accountable for that error in the DMED database? But service members are hurting. They're dying. You have kids, you know, Carolina Stansick, for instance, 23-year-old female, three heart attacks and a stroke now. This is insane. How does a 23-year-old female have three heart attacks in the last two years? But, they, but she's not alone. That story in and of itself would have been first page news, you know, three years ago. But now it's just it doesn't get mentioned at all because we don't talk about myocarditis because that's not a real thing. Yeah, and it, we get censored too. You know, yes. I've lost a, I've lost a YouTube channel and I'm about to lose my personal one, uh, probably because of the show. <laughs> you know, uh, okay. you know uh, the uh, so when you when you 23 years old, three heart attacks and a stroke. 
Oh my God. I mean, my goodness. I mean, these are not overweight people, out of shape people. They're athletic. You know, I remember when I was 23, you know, I could run a mile and a half and 840, uh, even if it hadn't been a smoker before, you know? Uh, so I was in like the best shape of my life, uh, in that, uh, it's just, it, uh, Sam, it just, it breaks my heart. Uh, one, uh, but two, uh, the DMED system is doctor and provider reported as opposed, let me just clarify this for folks, VAERS is self-reported adverse reactions uh, uh, by and large, uh, and DMED is doctor reported. So are you telling me that as a wing commander, uh, uh, when I was making decisions, uh, and it included DMED data back in uh, late 2011, uh, if I was having to make a decision because I, I had a hospital working for me uh, at the time, uh, that uh, that they're saying that data was bad? No, they're saying that the data from 2000 to 2016 to 2020 was bad. The person who pulled this data was doing a comparison from 2021, when all this stuff kicked off with the vaccine in the first place, to a five-year poll of information completely arbitrary. It was on that individual whistleblower's own decision-making to, to pull five years, 2016 yeah. to 2020. The DOD pulled down the whole database and they said, between 2016 and 2020, there was an error in the system and we had to fix what happened because it goofed everything up. And I'm like, so you, this arbitrary poll, it wasn't a 10-year poll, it wasn't a 20-year poll, this person pulled five-year data and you decided that that was the incorrect data? Wow, and it happened immediately after the information became public. Once it hit the, the public stage, who was the first to jump on it? Politica. Politica. They're the, the, the mouthpiece that comes out and acts like, acts like they are unconnected with the DOD immediately after something bad happens. But they were the first ones to report on it, and they had all the talking points. And I'm talking not, not in a week or two weeks, but over the weekend, when the information hit, literally on Monday, they came out with their own report, like somebody had written it for them. Man, that's convenient. Amazing. Yeah, well, we've got to take a commercial break, Sam. When we come back, I want to continue this conversation, but we're also going to start inserting uh, national security uh, policy and, and operations into this and the confusion that's being caused that's really uh, by the damage that's been done to the U.S. military. I'm Rob Manus here on the Red Voice Media Network. We'll be right back. If you're like me and you want to be prepared for the unexpected. That's where the wellness company's emergency medical kit comes Over 40% of Americans say that they would avoid a doctor or a hospital unless it was a catastrophic situation. Medical emergency kits with ivermectin. The kit contains eight potentially life-saving medications for you to keep on hand in the event of natural disasters, supply chain shortages, medical emergencies, or like an apocalyptic situation. These are the actual medications that you would need need in the event of certain situations. So they've got emergency antibiotics, antivirals, antiparasitics.
show we're talking with uh, sam shoemate a u.s army veteran and uh uh and really a man that's uh, uh started his career as an investigative journalist i think <laughs> uh in the middle of his army career uh but to bring light on to things like this uh, dmed uh, uh database issue sam you know and we'll get to that clip in a minute that clip was a picture of what urban warfare combined with Hamas propaganda looks like. Uh, and I got a pick, I got a still of a shot of one of your tweets that I wanna, I wanna get your take on uh, what the troops think on this here in a minute. But, but this DMED issue, you know, I mentioned that I retired in late 2011, uh, end of November, 2011. And really what they're saying though, is I think I'm right, is that all the data back beyond 2016 it can't just be five years worth you know uh i mean magically because the person that pulled did the pull the whistleblower picked five years it's all of a sudden it's magically five years back uh i don't believe it uh and uh, i'd like to see a comparison of all that data uh myself to go back to when i was a wing commander in the air force uh, and making decisions about the hospital working for me uh, whether I was being fed bad data or not. I think it's a crucial piece of information because uh, because the if it's bad now because they've put some fake fix into the DMED system, that's bad too, but it's even worse because commanders have to have confidence in that system. Right. I will, I will tell you, um, side note, I don't have video. I'm not sure what happened to it. It blipped out there for a little bit, but uh, let your uh, guy know. But um. Despite that, okay, so so correct. Yes, as a commander, you have to have, have faith in that. And one of the things that I actually, uh, I cover this along with, um, you're familiar with Mark Bashaw, right? Yes. Okay, Mark Bashaw, just for, for viewers who don't know who he is, he's a lieutenant who was court-martialed and discharged uh, because not only, well, initially he brought forward protected whistleblower communications to his chain of command, they retaliated against him because of them. He refused to participate not only the vaccine, but the, the masking and anything else that was EUA. It's very important for people to understand that a lot of the things that we were told to do were EUA. They were not FDA approved and you cannot tell a service member legally by law to participate in these things um, unless they're FDA approved. So he, he refused, he stood his ground, he was court-martialed unlawfully, and uh, there, there's a lot more story to that. But anyways, he did a comparison. He did a comparison of 20 years, 20 years of DMED data, and uh, I would have to go back and I would have to look at what it says, but I believe it was like 1,100% increase in among active duty personnel for adverse reactions based, based on 20 years compared to 2021. All right, so from, what 
whatever it was, 2000 or 2001 to 2020, that compared to 2021, there was an 1100% increase in adverse vaccine related incidents among active duty personnel. That is crazy. And that's that something that they didn't account for. And it didn't get, it didn't get nearly the news that the, uh, the original poll on DMED did because that stuff got a lot more publicity before uh, the, the Senate and, and, and a few other folks. But regardless, uh, we, we have the information. Yeah, so so really, I mean, the increases, I, I think, are real, uh, quite honestly. Uh, whatever they did to the system uh, to make it look good, uh, was uh, it needs to be found out so that uh, the data is being accurately portrayed uh, to current commanders. You know, that, that stuff's yes. got to be it's got to be fixed. And the people that did that have to be held accountable to uh, even the ones that are the worker bees that didn't come out and speak up and say, no, this is wrong. Uh, it's unethical. It's illegal to falsify uh, government data bases uh, and those kind of things. It, it's just there's just so many crimes uh, that have been committed here, uh, not to yeah. mention the worst one, which is the uh, the, uh, you know, the. The, the the harming of the of our troops physically and and it's really harming national security and our readiness so I wanted to show your tweet uh, to get back to that that opening video from this segment uh, Sam uh, go ahead and bring up pick one disco uh, th this is what you tweeted out about uh, that that video kind of came uh, along the same timeline with this but uh, they <laughs> they want to have a US and European peacekeeping force in Gaza after the war. Oh, right, uh, right, yeah. It, uh, your tweet picture shows a headline from the Washington Times that U.S. troops would enforce peace under Army study, and it's talking about in Gaza when you go look at the, click on the link there, and it's dated Monday, September 10th, 2001. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Uh, that is unbelievable. So, uh, so are you hearing from anybody about this kind of stuff? Because uh, the next the next segment we're going to talk about China and San Francisco and APAC and everything. Uh, what are you hearing from folks uh, about these kinds of things? I, I mean, I'll tell you what I think uh, as somebody that was around and in the military during the uh, uh, the the Beirut bombing that killed over 240 Marines, uh, among other. Uh, folks from other countries, and uh, uh, that's insane. That's that's putting targets out there for these Islamist Nazis. Well, yes, and and that's literally what was told. So I've I've got to be careful with what I say here because I don't want to expose any unit sources or anything like that. But I did speak to some folks who originally got the message before it made public news, probably about a week and a half before it became public. Uh, they were told, so they were they were tasked was setting up top notch in the desert, which that's basically air defense. And mm -hmm. they, they were, their job was basically, and this is how the defense brief went. They were to go out there and set up as a deterrent for Iran, not in, a, in the capacity of conducting any kind of, any kind of force on force action against Iran, but just so Iran would be deterred from attacking because they would have to attack an American element, which would which would provoke a, a you know a regional war, basically World War III, and that was their job. That's how it was briefed to them. They were literally told in their defense brief, "You are going there to be a road bump for Iran, so that they are deterred from attacking into Israel." That's it. 
knowing full well that they're going to die. Their job is to die, be there in case Iran wants to really go down this, you know, go down this path and attack. That's what they would have to go through. That's not what our forces are for. We are not there to be a speed bump for anybody to roll through and kill so that we have legitimacy to go to war. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a deterrent force has to be enough force to make it overwhelmingly clear to the to the adversary being deterred that you will pay a price much too great if you try something. Putting people on the ground as speed bumps in Gaza is the absolute stupidest thing uh, uh, when you think about that goal of, of a deterrent force. You know, I mean, I, I haven't been opposed to getting the carrier forces moved around and, and you know, beefing up air forces and those kind of things so that Agreed. so that uh, we can protect our folks in Iraq and Syria. You know, and, and of course, they haven't adequately done that. Uh, they've been piecemealing it and titting for tatting and that kind of stuff. And none of that uh, stops those attacks. And uh, eventually they're going to get lucky and they're going to kill up a bunch of a bunch of American kids because we haven't responded appropriately on the one hand. Uh, and this idea is just about another uh, a, another uh, 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 I'm losing my words here. It's it's another attempt to just use American kids as cannon fodder. That's what they did on the exit to Afghanistan. That, that's what the leadership knew uh, that that was going to go south. They knew it when, from the time Joe Biden uh, gave Bagram Air Force Base up in July. We all knew it. We said it. Uh, and General Milley and the leadership and Secretary Austin and Joe Biden continued down that path, and they sacrificed those American kids. They sacrificed yeah. them, and they want to do it again, and it's absolutely the wrong thing to do, man. Uh, I'm glad that folks are paying attention and, and hearing about that, uh, and uh, I hope they continue to feed you information so we could get it out because uh, it's it's just it, it's unfathomable that the leadership positions are filled with men and women in the United States Armed Forces all the way up to the commander-in-chief that don't give a damn about the lives of the youngest, lowest ranking uh, Marine, airman, soldier, Coast Guardsman, uh, whatever they call a Space Force kid, uh, Guardians, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, the soldiers, sailors, airmen, Marines, and uh, Coast Guard and, and Guardians, uh, the youngest ones are the ones that as a commander, I always thought about, tried to think about first, you know? Yeah, because they no, can at least exactly. And, and, you know, this, this ties back into what we originally started talking about, the recruiting issue. We have a recruiting issue because, all right, so if I can look at this stuff at my level, you can look at this stuff at your level, and we can see all these issues. We can see the wokeness in the military and all the DEI issue. We can see the pullout from Afghanistan. We can see the vaccine mandate. We can look at all of these critical issues that are affecting us now at our level. But what is affecting an 18-year-old kid on the ground? What is, he, what is he ingesting from TikTok, from social media, you know, other social media platforms? What is he getting from every, every, everywhere else that is causing him to not want to join up? At the end of the day, there's, there's a couple answers to that. But one of the biggest reasons is what we saw in Afghanistan and what we're seeing now is complete disregard for American service members. It is obvious that the administration and the current leadership does not care about them. They use them as, as you know, just the most throwaway chess pieces. And I, I understand, I'm not under the, you know, I'm not under the illusion that we haven't always been a chess piece in some degree. But the blatancy 
for which this administration and its current crop of flag officers uh, treats the service member now, th th just the throwaway mindset of, guess what? You don't get justice. The law doesn't apply here. You don't get a voice and, and you do what I tell you to do under any condition, regardless of whether it's breaking the law or not. That bleeds out into the, the information sphere of social media and, and news and everything else. The kids are feeling that and they're like, why would I go work for an organization that literally does not care one iota whether I live or die is willing to break the law to enforce that and and uses me as some throwaway piece of trash. They don't want any part of it. And it's it's this is the number one reason why we have a recruiting crisis right now. Whether people will say it or not, this this is why. Yeah. We we feel how trash we are to this crop of people. And once upon a time, you know, I could, I could, I could speak highly about a lot of general officers that I have worked with for under that I've seen who you knew, okay, they had to make hard decisions and they might have to order you to your death, but overall they cared about the well-being of their force, of their division, whatever it was. And we just don't feel that now. We rarely see that. And that's, that's a travesty. People don't want to be a part of this anymore. It's a travesty and a tragedy. And folks, don't misunderstand. You know, I've had to make very hard decisions that could have resulted in the death of the people working for me and did result in the death of the enemies we were fighting. Uh, those are hard decisions that you have to make them. You do make them. But there's this thing called force protection. Uh, when you are uh, putting your force out there to accomplish a mission like deterrence uh, of an adversary like Iran, uh, that uh, if you don't care about protecting the kids, the 18-year-olds that are out there doing that mission, that mission will fail. Uh, it will. It fails every time. It failed in Vietnam. Uh, it's. It failed in Iraq. Uh, it ultimately failed in Afghanistan. Even though we might have started out the right way, uh, you know, and we had good people. And I'm with you, Sam. I, I mean, I got to go take a break and, and then come back and we'll talk about the potential of the biggest failure, uh, the China thing. Uh, and uh, interesting post you had on your timeline today made me want to bring it up because I want to see if you're hearing from, it, from the troops about this. We'll be right back on the Rob Manus Show. Attention Americans, breaking news. Biden's dangerous plan for a digital dollar is underway. Don't be fooled. It won't benefit you. Take action now. The Federal Reserve phase deployment of FedNow began on July 1st, 2023. Be prepared. This may catch many off guard. Your hard-earned assets are in jeopardy. But there's a simple legal tax loophole to opt out of the digital dollar. Reach out to American Alternative Assets for a free wealth protection guide and discover how to safeguard your wealth with gold and silver IRAs against a failing dollar and volatile markets. Visit protectfrombiden.com. This invaluable guide provides precise steps to transfer your IRA or 401k into precious metals without any tax consequences. Be smart. Don't let Biden force you into using the government government's new digital dollar. Visit protectfrombiden.com to get your free guide and get started. Again, that's protectfrombiden.com.
back to the Rob Mena Show, and uh, we're talking about the lack of moral courage in the United States Armed Forces and the effect that it's having, uh, not just on our troops, but on, the, on our readiness of all of our military services, but also our ability to have the right impact in the world, on, in our own country's foreign policy, our ally for our allies and ourselves, and our national security readiness. Uh, and I'm talking with uh, former U.S. Army soldier uh, Sam Shoemate today, uh, who is really a, a, I said veterans advocate, but really you're an advocate uh, for all the soldiers, sailors, airmen, Marines, Coast Guardsmen, and Guardians, I think I got them all that time, uh, that are even on active duty, really, because uh, if we can't get this information to the public in a way that uh, political leadership uh, that uh, needs to act on it can act on it, uh, then it's those kids that are on active duty now that take that face the brunt of these bad policies. And that little opening video there, this segment was, the music was overlaid on it. I'll just be upfront about that from what I could tell. Uh, but the pictures are real of the streets in San Francisco with the Chinese Communist Party's uh, country's president, Xi, and his motorcade driving through all those red China uh, national flags. And Sam, the reason I wanted to talk to you about it is because you posted this and, and, and I had thought about it too. Go ahead and bring pick two up, Disco. Uh, and this is your post, uh, uh, which shows a headline, Air Force General predicts war with China in 2025. Uh, and tells officers to prep by firing a clip at a target and aim for the head. Uh, the picture has a soldier in it, a U.S. soldier holding the Chinese Communist Party's national flag with Biden and Xi yeah. walking shoulder to shoulder into the building at the conference, the APEC conference, I think is what it was called. Uh, all right. Did you hear anything from anybody that's on active duty about that fiasco? Because just the picture and the headline together uh, uh, are quite the contrast. Well, no, uh, not not anything of significance. It was it was one of those things where I, I posted it some other places, and, and some folks asked me, you know, is this is this out of precedent for us to hold another nation's flag? And I said, well, no, it, it's very much in precedent for us to hold another nation's flag. The issue is is the fact that we have four-star generals who are publicly saying they predict we'll be at war with this nation in two years' time, yet we are escorting them with with banners of their, their flag, which we should call them the enemy flag if we're predicting we're going to be at nation-state war with them in two years. But we're, we're parading them through our streets, having our service members, our soldiers hold them, and people said this is— this is an embarrassment. This is a uh, this is a humiliation tactic. And how do you disagree with that? How do you disagree that we are we are under a humiliation event right here? There's no way that they would have a parade of American flags as we escorted you know as they escorted a, a, an American dignitary through China. That simply would not happen. But that's the reality we're living in right now. It's embarrassing. Yeah, I mean, it's one thing for uh, if it, they were allies you know, uh, NATO ally or, or a Pacific ally or any allied nation that we have a formal treaty with, it wouldn't be unusual 
to see an American military member holding one of their flags. But this is the Chinese Communist Party's national flag. Uh, and, you know, uh, on, on More War Mondays just this week, uh, one segment was dedicated to whether uh, Biden had done the right things to deter Xi from taking Taiwan by force, uh, which is exactly what that general, his name is Mike Minahan. We actually were neighbors when we were lieutenant colonels uh, together at Dias Air Force Base. Uh, and when I saw Mike's letter, I've done a show on it. I think he's exactly right. I mean, he's prepping his forces to be ready. Uh, he's not out there warmongering or any of that. That's not that's not what the job of a leader in the U.S. military is. It's to be ready uh, for the worst case scenario. And the signs right. really are there uh, that the worst case scenario could happen within the next. I think before 2025. Yeah, I, I I talk to a lot of folks and we go back and forth on this. I, I guess I'm more conservative in, in general, but uh, basically the, the consensus among the people I talk to and we research and talk is that 2024 is going to be a year of, re, of something remarkable, one way or the other, and not just this, but in a lot of different areas as far as the the, the financial markets go and, and what happens in our own economy and a bunch of different stuff. But, but you're right, I mean, more and more, if you just look at how our military is being structured to fight in the Pacific and how we have scrapped long-term plans across both the Army and the Marine Corps to really focus on everything that is going on in the Pacific right now, and we're holding these massive joint exercises for island hopping and for uh, conducting warfare in a very different type of environment that we've been used to in probably the last 50 years. It tells you that our leadership absolutely knows this is the reality. This is where we are headed. And so, yes, for a four-star general to say that publicly, he is absolutely stating the reality of the situation once his force to be ready. And yet we have whatever that was parading through our streets in one of our, our one of our nation's biggest, you know, largest in the largest cities in America, and, and we put that on display for the entire world, and, and what do you do at this point except just laugh and be like, wow, can't wait for another guy to take office because this is just embarrassing. But well, yeah, well, all those preparations like the war games and exercises, uh, sh you know, they're supposed to be intended to deter an adversary from uh, taking an action that, that we don't want them to take because sure. the risk is too high because we're ready. Uh, but uh, w but when the commander in chief is the most unready human being on the planet, uh, and then and then his team directs uh, directs the team, the U.S. team, to behave in that way, uh, there's no deterrent there, man. Uh, and uh, that's unfortunate. Uh, it's really unfortunate because uh, our readiness is down, and uh, but from the recruiting issues. Uh, from uh, the lack of training uh, that you mentioned. Uh, I mean, the Heritage Action Report that came out in the spring has the Air Force's readiness drop numbers uh, at the lowest that it's ever reported on. Uh, and the uh, chief of staff of the Air Force then was the current chairman of the Joint Chiefs. Uh, so it's, it's like our leadership has taken their eye completely off the ball uh, and are totally distracted uh, uh, on what appears to be political things, uh, partisan political things from this administration. Uh, you mentioned wokeness earlier and that kind of stuff. 
and, and is not focused on being prepared to fight wars uh, or first deter them and then fight them if necessary. Uh, and uh, that's unfortunate for the 18-year-olds that are out there are going to be at the pointy end of that spear. Yeah, and, and one of the things that obviously goes along with that is our uh, the status of our munitions. And I'm not going to talk about any specifics because I, I'm not going to pretend that I know actually the status of our munitions. But what I do know is the amount that we have sent to Ukraine and the amount of individuals who have blown up my inbox talking about their situation either in South Korea, because South Korea sent a lot of munitions over, over to Ukraine and then over in Germany, here in the States, and, and what people are reporting across not only the active forces, but the Guard and Reserve, and the the amount of equipment, but specifically munitions, our artillery, our air defense that we have sent overseas, it's it, it simply we are not structured and, and established to um, replenish those things at the speed we should be right now. And it, it's, leading, it's leaving us in a vulnerable position where if we were to engage in a, in a highly volatile uh, flash incident with China, for instance, and then it was to sustain, mm -hmm. I'm concerned about how long we would be able, be able to sustain that fight just based on what we've, the damage we've done to ourselves in the last two years. So. Absolutely right. And we have not taken the right steps fast enough to rebuild our industrial base that's needed in order to replenish that stuff. Uh, uh, and I think you, you hit the target right uh, dead center there, Sam. Well, we're out of time, man. Tell folks where they can find you uh, because it's very important uh, where to find Sam Shoemate on uh, Twitter and all the other places. Twitter specifically under my personal account, Samosaur. I think I'm a dinosaur, but my name is Sam, so you can put them together. But <laughs> there you go, Samosaur. And then um, uh, we're, we're very active on Instagram primarily. We're going to be moving to Clout Hub and getting more active soon. And that's for different reasons I can talk about later. But but Terminal CWO, that is our, our group name on Instagram. That's where we do most of our work. All right. Thanks, brother. I appreciate uh, what you do and what you've been doing and what what the rest of the people on your team are doing. And uh, we will continue to move forward and get this out to the public. And maybe we'll see some positive change in the right direction uh, here because of work, man, because of your work. We appreciate it. Well, folks, I'm Rob Manis here on the Red Voice Media Network. I'll see you tomorrow. It's Truth Thursday. Uh, and uh, we'll have a lot of truth to talk about. And unfortunately, Tucker is still laughing. <laughs>